0: Welcome to the FridayNightOhio.com podcast. I'm Chris Bevan, sports editor at the Canton Repository, along with rep sports writer Joe Scalzo. We're going to look ahead to week three of the high school football season for Stark County area football teams. And Joe, uh, coming into week three, we have eight teams that are 2-0. and oh. it's, a, it's a pretty interesting list of the eight teams making up Federal League all the way down to the IVC.
1: Yeah, and and what sticks out is none of them really are that surprising. I think all all eight of them are are probably fairly legit. They've beaten at least one good team, so... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think all of them can expect to, to have a good season.
0: Uh, it's never a surprise when you see Maslin and McKinley on that list, and I think we thought Perry was going to be really good. Well, one team that kind of jumped out at me is Northwest. Uh, you know, the mm-hmm. Indians haven't had a, a lot of great success in the last couple of seasons. They've kind of been – got the idea close that if they could have got a couple yeah. of games to, to go their way, that they had some guys where they could have maybe got it rolling. Maybe this is that year for them to – to make a push to get back into the playoff picture.
1: Yeah, I think all of us have kind of figured, okay, it's not been that long since they were good, and they have a good coach who's won a state championship elsewhere, and and it just was maybe a matter of time of getting that class that they could do it, and and certainly we need to see what they, they do over the next eight weeks. But, uh, I, I mean, I think all of us were kind of waiting for them to
0: emerge a little bit. Another team that was really a playoff regular throughout the 1990s and well into the 2000s was North Canton-Hoover and Hoover like northwest a team that's just been trying to to break through and, and get back into that that playoff picture and the Federal League title hunt, and I think this could be a year that's shaping up where, where the Vikings have a chance to make some noise. And as we look to week three, I think the, the biggest game is, is Hoover and Akron East, two 2-0 teams.
1: Yeah, and I think a couple of years ago, Hoover had a nice start, but we kind of were a little bit skeptical because the teams they played were like, eh, you know. And I think you're right. This year, the, not only are they looking very strong, but the league is, is – the Federal League as a, as a whole – doesn't have that nightmare monster team or, or a couple of them and so i think you kind of feel like yeah there's a lot of talent in this hoover team they've been waiting for this season and and uh, maybe they can make a little bit of a run too
0: and i think it's not just that they're 2-0 and but they're 2-0 and with some emphasis you know yeah. they, they won their first two games they took care of business yeah they did and and uh you know i think Louisville's always a good
1: gauge if they can win by a game by a couple touchdowns that's usually a good sign for for any hoover team
0: obviously with akron east they're seeing a team that's uh Become a, a really good team in the Akron City Series. Plays a good schedule. Is used to playing on the road. You know, almost all their non-league mm-hmm. games, if not all of them, are road games. So I don't think we'll see East be a team that's intimidated coming to play at Hoover, where East has played the last couple of seasons as well and had success.
1: Yeah, and we kind of seen them take over that booker role in the City Series. Uh, maybe some of the best athletes in Akron that don't go to St. V's or Hoban are ended up at Akron East, and and they had a you know a big win over. For Jackson in week one, and, and they've just been legit for the last couple of years. You know, it, it's not just, you know, uh, guys with Division One talent. It's, it's a good, solid team that, that can compete every week.
0: The Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio, continues Friday, September 7th, when... Hoover hosts Akron East. Kickoff is 7 p.m. Broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. FridayNightOhio.com is live streaming games for the first time this season. Sam Berkwin and Jeff Shreve provide the call each Friday night. A team that I think we'll see on one of the games of the week, maybe down the road, the Lake Blue Streaks, uh, another nice start for them at 2-0. and uh, going on the road for the first time against a Copley team that I don't think is nearly as good as it has been. This is a, a real good chance for the, the Blue Streaks to really build some momentum going into to the heart of the season.
1: Yeah, the last two years, this game has kind of come down to the fourth quarter, and two years ago, that was a really good Copley team, and I, they stunned them with about six seconds left. Uh, Ty Hunt, who's still on the team, caught a touchdown pass, I think, and uh, you know I think they won by, by two or three or something like that, but um, yeah, I mean, and Cal was four and six last year. They're, they're, they're good, but you know, they're not a great team this year. And I think, you know, Lake having come off that opening win over Columbus West, we didn't know how good they were. You know, we saw uh, some good things against Dover last week, and this is kind of a chance, like you said, to maybe get a couple wins before that
0: Federal League schedule starts and, and get some cushion to, to maybe make a playoff run. One of the stories that you wrote for the repository and FridayNightOhio.com dealt with the quarterback play at Lake and Talk a little more about what Troyer has coming back now as is, is a, a veteran.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, obviously Lake is not a hotbed for quarterbacks through the years. They're more of an I-formation running back kind of team. But he, he even said, you know, I, I understand how to play the position better. He's a guy that isn't maybe the most amazing athlete in the world, but he can run it and, and he has a pretty strong arm. He can hit 90 miles an hour as, as a pitcher. And, and uh, you know, it just – a really solid guy that that gives them a compliment to Cameron Martin at and, and running back and and uh, Lakes. You know they've always kind of done it with running running in defense, but they need they need ten to twelve passes a game to kind of keep things honest. And he's a guy that can do that.
0: When they've had the uh, the deep playoff runs, usually they've had a good quarterback and mm-hmm. they've had a, a maybe a go to receiver. Like you said, it's not like they're gonna put it up 30 times a game, but they do want to throw it, you know, 10 to 15 times, 10 times if they're really running it well. And yeah. and it helps to have a guy that knows what he's doing at that position. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not Perry where they
1: <laughs> they'll just forget to to pass the ball. I think they've always tried to balance it a little bit and work on that. You know, even in games maybe where they, they can run it every down, I think they've always tried to, to throw it just so they have that experience because they're going to need to be able to do that uh, as they get to some really good games in their schedule
0: looking ahead at another 2-0 team. Uh, East Canton at home against Rootstown on Friday night. This is the last team to beat East Canton in the regular season. Uh, The Hornets have not lost a regular season game since. They've won nine in a row in the regular season, which is a a uh, winning streak that is the longest in more than 30 years for the program. Um, I think we'll really see what East Canton is made of this week against what should be a pretty good Ritzdown team. Again, I know they aren't maybe as strong as it was last year, but Ritzdown still figures to be a good test for the Hornets. Yeah, Ritzdown's 2-0.
1: and they, they they beat Field, which is a Division four team. I mean, Ritzdown's a Division 16. They beat Field. They, they pounded Strasburg-Franklin last week. Sixty-one, nothing. So uh, you know, maybe they're not quite as good as last year, but certainly capable of beating East Canton, and and uh, that's a pretty incredible. You know that that, that they haven't lost since then. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're just seeing East Canton has good athletes, and they're you know, Spider obviously knows what he's doing. He's a great coach and uh not too many division 7 teams have guys that win state track titles so you're seeing kind of the the evolution of of a program and not just you know one or two guys that are really good
0: yeah and i think you're seeing it across the board in the athletic program there their cross country team is still real strong you mentioned the cro- the track crossover of athletes both from cross country and football and the baseball team with Doug Miller is playing better they had good success and Basketball last year, so it's good to see East Canton uh, stepping to the forefront among the small schools. Uh, a big game for one of our Division Five teams, Central Catholic, looking to bounce back uh, against Strongsville, uh, as is the case most of the time with uh, Central Catholic. No easy touches on the schedule. Yeah,
1: I mean, and and we've seen it where if they're hanging with Perry, even if they're losing that game, that's a good sign because that that's when they make those long playoff runs. Either they beat them or they're they're close. And last week. You know, they make a two-point conversion in the last minute, and they win that game. So I think that's an encouraging sign, even though they lose. And, and Strongsville, <laughs> one of the problems Central has is just finding great opponents. And Strongsville Division One, I, I think they've already beat Hudson. I think they beat Berea Midpark. So, you know, that's probably not ideal for them, but they can they can play those teams. And even though it's a Division One program... You know, Central can go out and expect to win that game.
0: I don't think there'll be any intimidation factor. Obviously, Central Catholic kids are used to playing these types of teams. And like you mentioned, if you're able to hang with a good Perry team and be within just one play, I mean, which I think you have to give Coach Linda Smith credit. Mm-hmm. We've seen a couple of coaches do that earlier this season where they're like, you know, we're not going to play uh, passive here. We're going to go for the win while we have a chance. Yeah. And
1: it's funny. I actually talked to greens, uh, John Wallace, who's had both games come down to him trying to a, a two point conversion in the last minutes. But in his case, it's because he has to, he's he's, he's had some kicking issues, but, um, yeah, I, I think if you're, if you're three yards away from a win, you kind of think to yourself, you know what, that's as good chance as chances I have in, in winning in overtime. So I like that.
0: One thing uh, you wrote about this week, uh, Joe, that I wanted to talk to you about, let you expound more on, is uh, the future of kickoffs in high school football. Um, we've seen at the, the freshman level, they're gone, and uh, they could be going that way at the, at the other levels of JV and varsity, and you're seeing even at the NFL level uh, some changes. What, uh, what are you hearing from coaches?
1: Well, I think what's interesting to me, and Dan Reardon brought this up in McKinley, I talked to Tom McDaniels, I texted him back and forth a little bit, um, and they haven't seen a dramatic, you know, difference between kickoffs and other other plays in the game, and Chris, you covered your share of football in the years, and I, I don't know that I've seen that either, but um, apparently it's the most violent play in the game, and, you know, you got guys that run down the field, obviously, at full speed, and you have some violent collisions, but that's what they're trying to get rid of, and I think... Um, I think we're going to see it. I think we're going to see it out of the game. That's my personal opinion.
0: Um, And I don't necessarily like
1: that. And I don't know that you do either.
0: Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, again, it's just kind of anecdotal evidence. Uh, You're hoping that the people are researching this are doing it well. Uh, At the high school level, I didn't notice any more. Serious injuries coming on kickoffs, as opposed to any other player punts, let's say, where you do have you know the guys running downfield, the high-speed collisions. I, I now in the NFL, yeah, mm-hmm. you do see that. But you know, something you and I were talking about before we went on with the podcast in the NFL, you're putting your best athletes in many cases out there to to cover the kicks and cover punts. So you're talking about your guys in that six to six-two range. 220 to 250, and they're all running sub 46, maybe <laughs> as fast as 44 four with the you know the body of a, a middle linebacker and the speed of a tailback. So at the, at that level, yeah, it makes sense that you are seeing those types of injuries because the collisions. High school, you don't have that necessarily on special teams plays. Yeah, there are a few you know freakish athletes out there, but it's not 22 guys on the field. So I'm wondering if they had done some modifications like the NFL has, where you you don't have the the run up and some other stuff maybe to to, to leverage that out. But mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how it goes going forward. Yeah, and
1: I, the one thing I noticed is that some coaches really like special teams. Tom McDaniels, his, he always had great special teams. And if you know how to coach him and you devote that time, that's great. But there's a lot of coaches, I think, kind of like well that's one less thing for me to worry about let's get rid of it and and maybe the injury thing can kind of be a a way of masking the fact that you you know you don't have time to work on everything at every every program and and uh, they're happy to just say okay yeah let's get rid of that play
0: the other thing that'll have to be decided is uh, onside kicks because obviously that's a big part of a game late and not to mention teams that like to open the second half with an onside kick uh, I've covered many a game where you just saw the onside kick out of the blue that, that really changed momentum.
1: Yeah, and, and, and sometimes if you're the underdog, you see teams just give it a shot a couple of times. It's it's one of the most exciting plays in football, and and if you take that away, the games get less exciting at the end. I don't think anybody wants that. So they have to come up with some solution, I think, if they're going to get rid of the kickoff, and, and Greg Shiano has – you know kind of flowed the idea of having a, a fourth and 15 play in your own 30, which maybe that has the statistically the same amount of chances <laughs> of, of getting successful. But I think they need to have some way at the end of the game where teams can get the ball back and, and have a chance to win because that I think that's one of the fun parts of football.
0: Yeah, the fourth and 15 is an interesting concept, and it'd be interesting <laughs> to see what would happen if uh some team converted a couple of those in a row to rally from a couple of touchdowns down, how that would uh. Especially with older, more veteran coaches, what they think of that. Yeah. But I don't think – I think you probably wouldn't see a whole lot of teams doing it
1: earlier in the game. And, you know, like you mentioned, you know, the kind of the (laughs) – it takes away the element of
0: surprise if you're lining up at your own 30. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're going for it, Coach. We're going to talk some more about uh, Maslin, McKinley, and Federal League football teams after this break. Remember, FridayNightOhio.com is your home for Stark County area high school football throughout the 2018 season. Stories, scores, schedules, roster stats, you'll find it all there all year. Download the app and don't miss any of the news about your favorite teams and players. Maslin 2-0 gets Warren Harding at home this week. The Tigers... Uh, have had uh, really no trouble in their first two games against teams that uh, over the years have not only given them trouble but have knocked them off. So, I think all the hype about the uh, the Tigers in the preseason show so far has been worth it. Yeah, and I think you you know you've seen teams that had Division
1: One prospects before, and and they don't put it together at every facet. They just have a couple players, but they seem to be good in everything. And uh, they're playing a Harding team that that really since the the second half against McKinley, I, I think I saw that they've outscored their opponents fifty-four to nothing. Now I think they played Cleveland Rhodes last last week, which isn't you know quite the caliber they're going to see this week. But they're they're coming along. They have you know they have you know talented players too.
0: But you know this Maslin team, I don't know. I I, I don't know if they're going to get tested that much in the regular season this year. I think the one thing Warren Harding will hang its hat on is that the running back where the Tigers are Yeah, Ron had, Adams. The Tigers have concerns about stopping him. What'd you think after seeing him against McKinley?
1: He's a really, really solid back. He reminds me a little bit of uh a Danny Heron who came out of Warren Harding and played Ohio State. Maybe not that strong, a little bit faster, but just a guy that gives you five or six yards whenever the play is blocked well and has the capability of doing a little bit more than that. And and uh, you know, they, they sustained drives against McKinley. They just didn't finish him. Um, because on a down-to-down basis they weren't quite as good but maybe they've cleaned up some of that and they're you're in week three now so um, you know it'd be interesting to see if they can if they can test mass a little bit.
0: Jackson is on the road at Boardman the polar bears had a huge bounce back win on the road last week against Mayfield. Uh, I get the sense as this could be a real big game for Jackson, as far as going into the start of league play at two and one. They'll get, uh, I think it's Perry next week, so obviously they'll want all the momentum they can get. Were you surprised to see Jackson go and win on the road like that against the, what looks to be a pretty good Mayfield team?
1: I don't know if I was surprised. I think that you know, there's certainly their programs in the in the place now where you expect them to be pretty good every year, and and. Uh... You know they were really good. I think they lost to Akron East right in the first first weekend, and yeah, I think uh, you're right. it was really close game. So yeah, I mean I I think I picked them to win, and and uh, I think they lost to Boardman last year, if I'm not mistaken. That was a close game. So I, I really like the way their schedule's set up, and and uh, you know if they can get this one you know you kind of feel like okay they lost a lot to graduation but guys have kind of grown up a little bit pretty fast and and uh certainly moving Hayden Junker to the center seemed to have solidified some things for him too
0: yeah that seemed to really get the offense going and uh the Jackson-Boardman series has been a good one over the years three games that i don't really know that what we could expect them to be good on the scoreboard McKinley, Glen Oak Perry each uh, going the one double A route, really almost the Division two route here mm-hmm. with the uh, the Canadian teams. Uh, a real crapshoot what uh, what those games will turn out like, but I'm guessing something like forty to nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's always one of those pick your poisons because you, you schedule Moeller or Saint Ignatius or Saint Eds because you know that there aren't a lot of Division two schools that are willing to jump up and play them. They don't think they see the incentive in in, in scheduling you know a Glen Oak or a McKinley or even a Perry most weeks. So. Uh, you know, I, I guess you get a home game and you get
0: a gate and you get a win, so that's that solves a couple problems. You hope you stay healthy. <laughs> we were talking about Glen Oak earlier today, you and I, Joe, and and I think it's it's great that Coach Garcia is willing to you know try to schedule everybody he can, but he's they've become a school like a lot of the others in Stark County where it's it's feast or famine. You know, you get that Whitmer. Uh, to open up with on the road that is not easy then they get the, the Maslin game next it's at their place but Maslin's rolling Glen Oak takes a key injury was struggling anyhow and um, it's just tough for them to find the, the right sized opponent yeah and I know a couple years ago he
1: purposely tried to upgrade his schedule because he wanted his program to take that next step beyond the first or second round of the playoffs and you know he had it a couple years but man, you know, if you don't have that class or if you have a couple injuries, like you said, this year that schedule doesn't help them at all. And I I know it's tough to to find an opponent that really does work because your first two opponents didn't work because they were too good. And then, you know, you're playing week three against a Canadian team that isn't good enough.
0: I think there's stuff that, uh, you know, you hear people will second guess coaches here and there. But these are the types of things that coaches have to deal with you know, year round scheduling and stuff like that. And I know you talked to the coaches about that. It's just, it's just a challenge for these guys. Yeah.
1: And I know that uh, some coaches would like to see you get rewarded for playing a tough team, even if you lose. And I, I certainly like that idea, but at some point, like the mathematical equation that they're already doing is convoluted enough and you wonder how much more you want to add to it to to where fans understand. And, and uh, you know, so I, I think, you know, Getting something for even a loss is, is an idea worth considering, but you know
0: probably if you're a good enough team, you're making the playoffs anyway. Well, we'll see what those games bring Friday night for McKinley, Glen Oak, and Perry. A reminder, the Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio for Friday, September 7th, is Akron East at Hoover. A pair of 2-0 teams, the broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pre Show. Thanks for downloading and listening to the FridayNightOhio.com podcast, a podcast from the Canton Repository Sports Department. Check back for another podcast late Friday night after week three is complete. For Joe Scalzo, I'm Chris Bevin.